I see my name in shiny lights. Yeah, a different city every night. Oh, I, I swear the world better prepare for when I'm a billionaire. It's time to get down to business on the weekend's number one business program. Known as the king of networking, your host, Shalom Klein, has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and created countless jobs. So, to success, let's get down to business. And indeed, we are all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You're on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website at shalomkline.com. And while you are there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Shalom Klein. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information you will not want to miss. So let's jump right in. I'm so thrilled to be joined by Dom Farnan, the founder of Path Connect, a 12-week program that teaches recruiters. And we're going to dive into that quite a bit in our conversation. But uh, Dom, welcome to the conversation. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I love to get to know the person behind the microphone. Do you mind introducing yourself to our listeners and how you became so passionate about recruiting? I understand that started at a very, very young age. Yeah. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Dom Farna, and I'm the founder and CEO of both Path Connect, the 12-week accelerator for recruiters, and also Dot Connect, a global talent advisory. So I run both of those companies. Um, I started recruiting when I was 17, so after graduating high school early, I got an internship as a marketing intern for a company, decided that while I waited between January and June for my class to finish their coursework um, and actually graduate, I wanted to continue working. So I went down to HR when my internship was done and I said, how do you keep me working? I don't want to go back to the pizza place, I want to keep learning. And then the next thing you know, um, you know, they had hired me as a very junior recruiter, but I had an amazing team of very senior mentors that coached me and trained me and, you know, fostered a lot of my growth very early on in my career. What a journey. What a journey. Oh, my God. So you started very, very young and you've learned the basics, but you've certainly seen how the industry has evolved. And I want to talk to you about technology, too, and how it's changed in the world of recruiting. So let's start there, actually. Let's talk about the past uh let's say, two, two and a half years of recruiting. Um, let's talk about some changes just because of the pandemic. What have you seen occur, and is the great resignation real, and how has that affected recruiting? Yeah, I was just talking to my husband about this last night and how crazy it's been from 2020 to now. Um, it, was, it was interesting because prior to 2020, the clients that we were working with wanted our teams of recruiters to be on site at their offices. And so it was a bit challenging for us because I run a remote first company and a lot of my teams all over the U.S. and in some parts of Africa and South Africa, so they weren't able to be on site at our clients. Um, so that was limiting our reach and ability to scale. But once COVID hit, people were still hiring. While a lot of people might have laid off their internal recruiting teams, there is still attrition at companies, companies do still hire in recessions. It may not be net new headcount, but there's always going to be turnover to account for. And if you can't have a full-time recruiting team, you can definitely have a fractional or contract workforce like what we do. So um, that being said, when COVID hit and everyone went remote, it actually helped to really expand our ability to deliver 
top talent to a lot of different companies and industries. So that was really helpful. I also think that we were already set up for success because we were remote first out the gate. And so when I really started building my team in end of 2018 and 2019 on the Dot Connect side, um, we were always using remote first tools. We were on Slack. We had Notion. We had everything kind of set up, documented. And even now we're continuously refining it to ensure that it meets the needs of our global team. But in general, I mean, that was one of the positives for us. And then on the flip side, you had 2021 that was just crazy growth, lots of companies doubling and tripling their headcount goals since they didn't hire a lot in 2020. And now you see somewhere in between both. You see companies continuing to grow, but maybe a bit more, more mindfully. You see bigger companies who tend to overhire and do hyper growth, you know, laying people off, which isn't pleasant, but that's just the nature of the way that we work. Um, and so I've kind of seen everything in between in the last two years. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So lots of uh, lots of changes, and we're going to talk about technology again in just a moment because you are indeed the subject matter expert on this topic of how recruiting has changed and how companies need to change with it. Speaking of that topic, in terms of industries, I know you mentioned that you yourself personally in a lot of industries, and you as a uh, as a firm have worked with many companies. So I have to ask: Is recruiting the same? Is it apples to oranges? What what does it mean from one company, let's say, in the legal profession? to another company, maybe in the world of technology, is the principles of recruiting and attracting talent the same? Yeah, I mean, I think in general it is the same. So we can run a proven recruiting process across any of our clients, and we tend to have success in the process that we've defined and we like to educate our clients on and run. However, there's nuances hiring manager enablement, have they been trained? Do they understand what their bar is? Do they know their values? Do they know the behaviors and soft skills that will fit within their team dynamic? All of those things are very important and they vary client to client, company to company. Um, and not all, all companies are created equal when it comes to that. So, you know, we see that sometimes we go in and we have a lot of success if the hiring teams and the clients choose to show up, up as partners and really have ownership in their role of hiring. I always joke to my clients and say, look, you have the list of the open list of roles. We don't. So, you know, it's on you to really ensure that we get the talent that we find you across the line. It's not necessarily on the recruiter. While there's an element of closing and negotiation and, and tactics like that, ultimately, it's the hiring manager, the interviewers, the executive leadership team from the end user client company that are the ones that, you know, bring the talent on and close those people. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say this, and I remind our listeners of this each and every week, is that, you know, you need to focus and do what you do best and let others do the same. And so while you may be the subject matter expert and, you know, a great lawyer, that does not mean you are the best at hiring other lawyers. That does not mean you are the best at hiring the business development person. And that's why you need to return to experts like our guest right here. So, uh, Don, I have, to, I have to ask the question. Um, you know, you've founded this unique platform, um, and I'm curious – Tell us a little bit about it and how it's uh, really revolutionizing the industry. Yeah, so so Path Connect, the 12-week technical recruiter accelerator, has been on my mind for a long time, ultimately out of utility for being able to, to find, train up, 
and scale my own team's skill set. Um, this was really based on demand in the last couple of years for technical recruiters. Um, and our competitive advantage has been our ability to, you know, find talent with transferable skill sets. Let's say it's project managers or people who are early career that just graduated with a degree in computer science who wanted to be an engineer but didn't find an engineering job that had an interest in tech and then put them through our 12-week program so that at the end they were, they had enough of a foundation that they could be put in front of a client and understand technical needs for talent and hiring and then apply the proven process that we run. So at the end of the day, I can teach anyone how to recruit. It's a, it's not a matter of that. It's really if the person wants to do it because recruiting anyone can learn, is, but it's not for everybody. That's what I always tend to say. Um, you may get into the recruiting field and, and realize that, you know, it's hard to be the mediator between hiring managers and, and talent. It's hard to be the one that often gets projected on if somebody didn't get a job or if the talent wasn't that great, um, you know, based on what the hiring manager's assessment was. So you're kind of always that middle person. And we found that even with some of our own team, they get into the role, they might go through the boot camp, and then by the end of it, when they're in the jobs with real clients, it might change their perception on things. So I always find that, you know, just like anything else, it's like if you're going to go to get a certification for com computer science or coding or whatever, it's, it's similar to that in terms of the, the process and the steps and the workflow and mm -hmm. what you learn. But, you know, for the most part, it's just the foundation. You really learn when Absolutely. you're in a job doing work. Absolutely. And we're running out of time, and I want to make sure our listeners can get in touch with you and your team, get up on the platform. So can you give you that information for our listeners so everybody, hopefully in the week ahead, can get in touch? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. I am Dom Farnan. You can find Dot Connect. We are Dot Connect. You can also find us on LinkedIn, both Dot Connect and Path Connect. And then you can find Dot Connect at dotconnectllc.com. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the program. Looking forward to uh, continuing our conversation in future weeks. Um, we'll be right back and get down to business to show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Don't touch that dial. back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. I have been so excited for this conversation. I've been looking forward to it for weeks now. That's because I'm joined by Seth Hanford, the head of school at the Elgin Academy. Of course, based in Elgin, but having a truly a global impact. So Seth, it is an honor and a privilege to have you on the program, introducing a, as I understand it, 183-year-old institution. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, 183 years. And thank you so much for for having me. We're very proud of what we have to talk about. So thank you. Absolutely. So uh, as you know, I love with all of our listeners to just learn about people's background. And I know you're the head of school of a very, very proud institution, a 501c3. Um, but I know I love to learn about folks that are making a difference in the community. So Seth, do you mind uh, telling us a little bit about yourself and your own background? 
No, thank you. Thank you for thank you again for having me. I, I uh, have been my whole career in in schools like this, a, a large portion of the career at Elgin Academy itself. But it, it all um, in schools like this started for me when I was going into ninth grade myself uh, back in the East Coast. That's a longer time ago than I care to admit at this point, I guess. Um, but I was uh, sort of a, a not so focused middle school student and the people around me, my, my family felt very much that it would be good for me to go to a school like this. And, and uh, it truly was a life changing experience for me. Um, and uh, I have uh, been in schools like this basically ever since, largely as a result of that, um, of that experience that I was lucky enough to have, that I had people around me who helped me get. Um, and so my uh, life's passion in terms of my profession has been to try to create experiences like that for, uh, for other kids and, and, and hope to uh, make that difference in their lives in the same way that a, a school did for me. So we're, we're uh, very proud of how we do that here, and uh, mm -hmm. I'm very privileged to be able to represent that. Congratulations and kudos for all that you and your staff, a shout out to your amazing staff at the Elgin Academy for all that all of you do, because that's quite a bit of longevity, 183 years, um, and I want yeah. to talk about that for a moment. Uh, what causes an institution to be able to last that long with such a proud history and such a great, great reputation? Yeah, it's it's really a, a pretty stunning thing. We're, we're the uh, one of the oldest schools in, in, in this part of in this part of the country. And even uh, more amazingly, we have been the entire time co-educational and non-sectarian. And that's a very, very rare thing. Um, and so we have been committed to, to those ideas for that whole 183 years, uh, which is remarkable and very unusual. Um, I think that longevity has a lot to do with being a relationship-based place that is very, very flexible. So a lot has changed over those 183 years, obviously. Um, we, we can think about all the things that have happened in society. You know, this, is, this school was chartered before the Civil War, right? So we can think of all those sorts of changes. But what's more amazing to me is what hasn't changed at all, the basis of uh, of relationships being the foundation of any education that happens, that those relationships can uh, serve as a foundation for really great education to happen. And so that in itself hasn't changed. So I think that what makes a school able to, to live that long, and frankly, I think this would be the case of any sort of business, is, is a combination of a, a grounding and a mission and a philosophy with flexibility. And, and I've listened enough to enough of your shows to know that that, that sort of mixture uh, is what makes a lot of businesses work. And I think we're no exception in that sense, even though it's a not-for-profit one. Um, I think that's very much what causes that sort of longevity and allows it to happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, relationships, I've heard you say that now over and over again, relationships, relationships, relationships. And, you know, there's yeah. a lot of talk in the news about education, certainly over the course of the pandemic, which hopefully we'll have a minute or two to talk about. Um, there's a lot of different types of schools. We talk about, you know, charter schools. We talk about public schools. But the Elgin Academy, um, and again, I'm chatting with the head of school of the Elgin Academy, is an independent school. What does that classification mean specifically to your, to your students and stakeholders? Yeah. So there, there are about 1,500 of us in this country, um, and an independent school by definition is governed by uh, an independent, self-perpetuating board of trustees. Um, so that's a little different than what some may be familiar with. 
um, where there's a elected school board, let's say for for a, a town or city or part of a of a couple of cities, um, and so we're we have an independent board that is self-perpetuating. It's a legal entity. Um, that board uh, sets a mission. In our case, that mission is inspiring students to become our creative, courageous, and compassionate future. We operate under that mission. We make all our decisions based on that mission. So rather than the mission of a public school system, for example, which might be to serve a certain area, our mission is to, in fact, do that, to inspire students to become our creative, courageous, and compassionate future. That means we're open to anybody um, who wants to go to a school that is governed by that mission. The board of trustees' job is to make sure that that mission remains relevant, to make sure that it's prop adequately funded. All of our funding comes from tuition and donations. We do not get public funding. Um, and so that's a little bit of a, of a difference. In the long run, what you get with an independent school is something where you are, in fact, buying into a mission, um, where people are choosing to go there because of that mission. So in a lot of ways, it, it's, it's very much like any other business in that it's a market activity, right? If people don't think that mission is relevant, if that mission isn't important, then um, people aren't going to come to the school. And so we have to make sure that we do what we say we do, that we deliver on that. We have to make sure that that mission is mm -hmm. relevant. And that's the job of the combination of the board of trustees and of the people who run the school. That's quite a responsibility. And it's quite a responsibility. Again, I'm chatting with the head of school, um, Seth, uh, Seth Invert uh, of the Elgin Academy, 183-year-old institution of 501c3, an independent school. And we're learning about each of those sort of categories um, as we've been talking, but 183 years, indeed, a lot has happened during that period of time, but notably over the past two and a half years, we have had a pandemic. Uh, without going into too many of the details, what has that pandemic meant for you? And uh, as you've heard in previous conversations, let's talk about the silver lining. How has it changed the Elgin Academy for the better? Yeah, I think I think that it, it, it has been, it has provided all of education with a real challenge, but I think for Elgin Academy, like other schools, what it what it's first of all what it's really shown is the, is the strength of what our core mission is. It's shown the strength of those relationships between the faculty and the students, and the faculty and the families and the administration. All of those partnerships that make it work. I think it's really demonstrated that that strength. For us, it was a it was a matter of integrating technology in a way that allowed us to do some things remotely. Um, we, we have been able to be in person um, much more and much more consistently than a lot of schools have because we have so much space on our beautiful campus. And so I think for us, there's been a decided silver lining. And we, we took the attitude right from the beginning of the pandemic that we were going to um, try to learn from that what really can change education positively. So there are some cases where um, we will continue to use remote platforms to do some things, to give access to people who might not have otherwise had it and things like that. So I think there is decidedly a silver lining. And for us, it is it has been a demonstration of what our strength has always been, mm -hmm. I think. 
And I want to talk about one of those big changes, one of the big things that's happening at the Elgin Academy because we are running out of time, and I want to save some time for this, is the peak on the Hilltop program. When I read about this, honestly, my mind was blown. The incredible work you're doing in, in helping uh, many uh, many individuals, many students um, that have uh, various uh, various special, uh, special opportunities in their life, and that's where I want to uh, sort of start in that conversation. What is the peak on the Hilltop program, and who are you aiming to have uh, uh, lives changed with it. We're, we're really excited about this new opportunity that Peak is providing. We, we know that about 20% of the, of the kids in, in our country have a language-based learning difference. Those kids are often incredibly intelligent, incredibly creative, but school is a, is a difficulty for them because it's not geared towards what their skill sets are. We're creating a program that will help uh, remediate some of those differences so that when kids leave that program, they can go into a traditional program with only the accommodation needed of extended time. They will have learned how to, uh, through, a, through a very conscious multi-sensory approach, to uh, remediate some of those differences so that school is going to go from being something that is terrifying and frustrating and difficult to something that is accessible, where they can have an experience that really looks like what a lot of us have had in school. We're really excited to be able to serve a new population who needs very much to be served and deserves to be. Mm -hmm. Well, congratulations on all that. I want to make sure our listeners can get in touch with you so they can support this incredible work in your incredible program. How can we uh, we contact you and support? Yep. So that thank you so much. So the best the best way to get in touch with us is is to go to our website at elginacademy.org and also um, of course to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Elgin Academy. And we look forward to connecting with anybody who shares our passion for that mission.